Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, Microsoft softens their stance to provide Office 365 licensing options for Amazon Workspaces going forward. Also, updates on the recent critical Citrix and Avanti vulnerabilities and reports of a recent Windows update causing blue screens of death on virtual machines running Windows Server and Windows desktop operating systems. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which of course, as always, is brought to you by my awesome sponsors. And that includes Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud native container management platform for Windows desktops. And also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And of course, also brought to you by Netrix Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Starting this week's episode with another follow-up on the critical Citrix ADC and Gateway vulnerability that was particularly nasty as it didn't require authentication to exploit. As covered on last week's episode, exploits were discovered within just a couple of days of public disclosure of this vulnerability, with BleepyComputer.com reporting widespread exploitation was detected as early as July 20th, and the disclosure was on July 18th, so within just two days. As stated, I reported that there were exploits detected, including attacks where the gangs were infiltrating the appliances and planting web shells so they could lie dormant inside networks and then use the shells to spring future attacks. Well, this week, security firm Shadow Server stated the number of customers exploited is expected to be much higher than 640. BleepyComputer.com also reported that while a large percentage of customers patched within a week of the disclosure, there were still thousands unpatched at the time of recording this episode. And of course, also, just because there were many customers who patched within a week, how many patched within the first day? I could imagine it's not that many. And unfortunately, the warning here is that if you did not patch before July 20th at least, you may have fallen victim to these exploits and you may not be aware of it yet. And in another follow-up story, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA as I referred to them on the podcast in the past, said this week that state hackers have been exploiting two flaws in Avanti's Endpoint Manager Mobile, or EPMM, and pointed to the attacks of Norwegian government entities that I covered on the podcast previously as examples of exploits and stated these kinds of products are prime targets due to the fact they could be used for elevated access on thousands of mobile devices. And the crux of the statement or advisory here from the CISA is patch. Patches are available for the EPMM. Patch as soon as possible because this is a doozy. This is another vulnerability that does not require authentication for cyber gangs to exploit. And there are also thousands of instances of EPMM devices or appliances that are currently exposed online. So if you own any of those appliances, patch as soon as you can. 
WindowsCentral.com this week reported on a Windows 11 version 22H2 issue caused by recent patch KB502.8254. And this issue is specific to those using Explorer Patcher, which is a third-party Windows UI customization app. Microsoft has suggested the issue is not with the patch itself, so claiming the patch is not what's breaking <laughs> Windows for those who are using this customization tool, but rather the way the app achieves its customizations and suggests to those using Explorer Patcher to remove the app before installing the month's patches. This will undoubtedly rub some the wrong way, as these types of UI customizers have become popular since the days of Windows 8 when Microsoft started to take wild swings at changing the start menu. But unfortunately, if you're relying on that particular third-party Windows UI customization app, it looks like you may have to get rid of it before patching. On MSFT.com reported this week that Microsoft has made some enhancements to Windows 11 with KB5028254, which is a preview update. So this is obviously an update that most organizations are not going to be installing this month, but they're updates that may feature within the actual like production or live Windows updates next month. So they're still worth knowing about. And something that's going to be very useful that's included in this update is enhanced brightness settings. So Windows 11 22H2 users can expect more accurate brightness settings, providing a smoother and more comfortable viewing experience. They also claim that this update will improve VPN performance, and it looks like that's just any VPN as they've changed the address resolution protocol request handling within network gateway settings. Uh, there's also some widget taskbar fix and improved device functionality after sleep. They said there was an issue affecting certain display and audio devices, causing them to go missing after the system resumes from sleep, and that has been resolved. Uh, that one's interesting to me personally, because since I moved to Windows 11, I've had issues with the audio channel being switched. Like it seems like applications will still focus for audio and then it just won't work like in my browser or in Camtasia when I try to go back to it. So maybe that's something that'll be fixed in this update too. Eh, maybe not, but I guess we'll see. Ben Whitmore followed up on an Intune issue that he raised previously and which I covered on a previous episode of this podcast, where some Intune customers were losing application inventory data for some managed devices after the release of Intune Management Extension version 1.68 0.105.0. Ben published a detailed blog post recently dissecting the issue and linking it to a specific DLL. He also highlighted that IME is pushed as an LOB app, so line of business app in Intune, which comes with some challenges, namely the fact that it auto updates without warning. I have not gone into length on everything that Ben has reported on in this story uh, because there is much more in his blog post including what Microsoft support relayed to him about the issue. I don't want to take clicks and views away as this is a blog post that I'm referencing. So I encourage you to check it out for yourself to see more information. And I'll share a link with this episode, which is episode 293. And you'll find that at fivebytespodcast.com. There was sad news last week. Legendary security expert and hacker Kevin Mitnick passed away at the age of 59 from pancreatic cancer. 
He became famous for hacking major companies such as Nokia, Novell, Sun Microsystems, and Motorola. It is claimed Mitnick never hacked for money and was mostly after trophies such as source code. After serving four years in prison, Mitnick reached a plea agreement in 1999 that credited him for time served. He would not be permitted to make his way back online until December 2002. He went on to become an author and worked as an executive at security training company NoB4. Kevin sadly leaves behind his wife who was pregnant with their first child. His passing has seemed to make a big impact in particular on the security community and he will be missed. Techzine.eu and WindowsCentral.com have reported that the Microsoft Surface Duo 2 device is only listed to receive updates until October 2024, and so the future of the device is uncertain at this time. Some Reddit users have also reported that Microsoft is refunding anyone who returns a broken Duo 2 that is under warranty rather than providing them a replacement device. And earlier this year, Microsoft announced they have stopped working on the Duo 3. So there will be no Duo 2 successor, it seems. And it sure seems like the Duo devices days are numbered. But hey, as covered on last week's episode, Microsoft has been ambiguous as of late when it comes to product life cycles and what is or is not end of life. WindowsCentral.com reported this week that Microsoft accidentally leaked an internal tool called Staging Tool, which allows Microsoft's engineers to enable features under development and hidden features inside Insider Preview builds of Windows 11. The tool was spotted in a bug bash quest in the Feedback Hub, where a link to the Staging Tool was included, but only intended for internal testers. Someone was quick enough to try running the tool and grabbing screenshots, but the tool was removed from the bug bash quest by Microsoft. Whoopsies, this is not the first such Microsoft leak in the last 12 months even, and I previously reported on a leak of the notepad changes just before Christmas. So I guess these leaks just happen sometimes. WindowsCentral.com also reported this week that Microsoft Teams has introduced spatial audio, which colleagues of mine introduced to me during our calls earlier this week, which made me seek out reports on this feature, which is why it's being covered in this week's episode. Uh, if you have stereo capable devices, it basically will throw the audio in such a way that it more closely mimics the experience of being in a meeting room with those talking sounding like they are around you. I use a headset with a single speaker, so the feature's kind of lost on me. Uh, and the feature currently does not ship with support for Bluetooth devices because of protocol limitations. It's worth noting that next generation LE audio with stereo-enabled Bluetooth devices will be supported. So if you're on older devices, then you may be out of luck with this feature. If you've got newer devices, it may work. In a quick hit story, Netrix Policy Pack, who are a sponsor of the show, announced the retirement of Policy Pack Always On VPN Manager. The Policy Pack VPN Manager is a component of the Policy Pack product offering. So you may be using Policy Pack, but not actually leveraging the Policy Pack VPN Manager. So if you do not currently use that feature, then this announcement's not really going to affect you. The good news is that the Policy Pack VPN Manager will continue to process existing directives, 
until the client side extensions get updated to remove this node within the MMC snap-in. And that looks like it will be early 2024. They say in the meantime, for Microsoft Intune customers, you can use the Intune always on VPN connection type as an alternative. Alternatively, you may choose a third party product instead. And they said they've come to this conclusion to retire this component due to the resources required to maintain and support the component outweighing the usefulness that customers have with the software. So if you're using that particular component, it may be time to start thinking about alternatives and you do have some time to make a decision, which is windowscentral.com and Tom's Hardware have suggested the NVIDIA RTX 4090 Ti may be canceled before it has even seen the light of day, with NVIDIA reportedly working towards the launch of a new AD103 and AD106 models instead. This is a story that multiple outlets are running with, but the language used is very vague in my opinion, so I suggest we take this with a pinch of salt for now. The article suggests the strong performance of the existing RTX 4090, that is the 4090, not the 4090 Ti that was being worked on, may be the reason that they are holding off on the 4090 Ti release indefinitely. Chocolatey have released version 2.2.0, and it features expanded logging around the exception that is thrown when Chocolatey's CLI is unable to communicate with the source. It now ensures that only administrators are able to modify files that are stored within the chocolatey HTTP cache folder. And probably most importantly, they've improved overall execution time when performing the Choco upgrade all command, which is probably the most useful feature within the product. Slack suffered a two hour outage this week with users reportedly experiencing issues loading threads, admin pages, images, running workflows, and sending messages. It reads like this was a change gone wrong, and this change was rolled back to restore the service to a previous good state. There's no indication on when or if they decide to try to push this update again. In a side note, on the same day as this outage, I got several alerts of an Office 365 portal issue, with Down Detector also showing some issues at the same time too, but this one did not seem to catch any tension from the status page or any of the tech outlets. Speaking of Slack and Office, segue, the European Commission has now officially opened a formal investigation to assess whether Microsoft may have breached EU competition rules by tying or bundling its communication and collaboration product teams to its popular suites for businesses like Office 365 and Microsoft 365. This should be no surprise to those who listen to the podcast regularly, as I previously reported on this possibility several times and the fact that Slack reported Microsoft to regulators several years ago. But it seems like there's now an official formal investigation taking place. In unrelated, but also perhaps reading between the lines, possibly related news, AWS announced starting on August 1st, 2023, AWS end-user computing customers can use Microsoft 365 licenses through a bring-your-own-license model on Amazon Workspaces services. The reading between the lines part for me is that it may be wise for Microsoft to ease up on how restrictive they have been in terms of licensing and access to certain products, which have been essentially incentivizing customers to use Azure over competing clouds such as AWS and GCP. 
And Microsoft also announced this change themselves, underlining that this would be available for users with specific licenses and applies to Microsoft 365 apps for enterprise, business, Microsoft Project, and Microsoft Visio on Amazon Workspaces. The licenses that will be eligible under this revised policy include Microsoft 365 E3, E5, A3, A5, and Microsoft 365 Business Premium. If you currently have any of these licenses starting from August 1st, you will be able to utilize these Microsoft applications on Amazon Workspace's virtual desktop infrastructure. So a very interesting about face. This week I saw in the patching Google mail group that there have been reports from those in the mail group that blue screens of death have been experienced after installing recent update KB5028168 and the error code states inaccessible boot device. The initial person who kicked off the email thread was running server 2019, but others then responded saying that they ran into the same issue with the same stop code of inaccessible boot device with virtual machines running Windows 11, running different Windows operating system versions, running on different hypervisors. So it seems like it may be somewhat widespread. Or well, maybe not widespread, but it could affect across different operating systems and different infrastructures. So maybe keep an eye out on this. I did see someone stated that they had Azure Active Directory pass through, but no indication that that's an actual underlying cause or factor in this. This is still early in development, so maybe there will be more information next week. Unify have been posting teasers for a new product called SiteMagic that provides a simple intuitive console for creating and managing SD-WAN enabling existing customers to quickly create site-to-site VPNs and the feature will be free for those existing customers. While it's free, there are some requirements listed and that includes OS Gateway version 3.18 or higher or UXG version 3.1.3 or higher. Also Unify OS Host that runs network application version 7.4.150 or newer. And at least one gateway needs a public IP address, plus all participating consoles must have the same owner. So very interesting to see them moving into this space with this feature and the fact that there is no upsell, it seems. Plus, they got some notable actors in the teaser clips too. Google have been reminding customers that they will be deleting Google accounts that haven't been used or signed into in the last two years. They will first notify the users their accounts are eligible for deletion, but I don't see what good that will do if they haven't accessed like their Gmail in the last two years. They're not going to get that notification. So, um, well, (laughs) I guess it's better to give them that chance to possibly see that email and uh, the way to avoid the account being deleted to simply log in. So if they log into the Gmail, they'll see the email and they'll be all good at the same time because they've logged in. Finally in the news this week, congratulations to Alex and the team behind the awesome E2EVC as it turned 20 this week. That's incredible. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. First up this week is Winget UI, which is an intuitive GUI for the most common CLI package managers for Windows 10 and Windows 11, such as Winget, Scoop, Chocolatey, Pip, and NPM. 
With this app, you'll be able to easily download, install, update, and uninstall any software that's published on the supported package managers. So if you want to have one tool to manage and just update applications across all of these different package managers, this could be the tool for you. And thanks to Thorsten for this next one, which is the Win11 dblow tool, which is a simple and lightweight PowerShell script that removes pre-installed Windows bloatware apps, disables telemetry, and declutters the experience by disabling or removing intrusive interface elements, ads, and context menu items. Finally, I saw an older blog post, but still a pretty good one, uh, by Peter Tarnowski that's pretty straightforward. It's just explaining snapshots. So what VM snapshots are and giving some technical detail around them. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.